Today on Ag News Daily. We went eight straight weeks. We bounced from about 53 million bushels of corn grind all the way up to 91 this past week. I expect that number could be the same or a little bit higher again this week. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored, of course, by our partners at agmarket.net. And we will be chatting with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net coming up here in just a little while to discuss today's explosive market moves. But in the meantime, we've got to chat news, and I've got on the podcast today with me Mike Pearson and Ashton Carr. Guys, how you doing today? Fantastic, Delaney Howe. I tell you what, it is a Monday. We're starting another week, but it's a holiday-shortened week for our traders. The markets will be closed on Friday, but tomorrow is a big day. Two massive USDA reports dropping could set the tone for what's coming in the markets. And as you mentioned, we'll dig into that with Matt Bennett here in just a little bit. But Ashton, what's new with you? Not a whole lot new with me. I actually got to this weekend on Saturday. I went to my first jackpot show in what seems like forever. And so I went, excuse me, I went to Level Land, which is just outside of Lubbock, and I got to go and watch some cattle be shown. And it wasn't a virtual show, it sounds like. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, it wasn't virtual, but they were making announcements throughout the day to continue to try and social distance as much as possible, but it really wasn't too bad there. It looked like it was a pretty good turnout, but it was a lot of fun. I was glad to be back in an arena. Yeah, and Ashton, I mean, Texas has been in the news here over, well, the end of last week and this part of the weekend as, uh, you know, coronavirus continues to spread. I know your Governor Abbott has uh, launch the calls to close down some businesses again. I mean, what are you seeing in Lubbock? Well, they have shut down bars again, and then restaurants are reduced back to 50% capacity. And so I've seen people, uh, business owners, following those new restrictions. And then my my gym actually closed back down just for um, safety reasons. And then I've seen a couple of small shops and stuff like that close down for a day or two so they can really deep clean. But other than that, I really haven't seen too much of a difference, just things kind of restricting back a little bit. Yeah, things restricting back. You know, we got some news here. We're recording this Monday afternoon at about 2 o'clock. And just about an hour ago, it was announced by our friends over at Farm Progress that the 2020 Farm Progress show has been canceled. Uh, the event going on in Boone, just, uh, gosh, a week, 10 days ago, Farm Progress reaffirmed that they were going to have the show, they were moving ahead, and they were going to put some safety measures in place. But given this recent upswing in coronavirus cases across the country, and given the fact that folks come not just from around the country, but from around the world to Farm Progress, and they're making those plans right now, they just went ahead and said, you know what, there's too much risk in this environment and they pulled the plug. So Farm Progress won't be happening until uh, early September 2021 back there in Decatur, Illinois. And, Mike, you missed the other piece of that story, and Husker Harvest Days is also canceled. You're right. You're right. Yep, I saw both of those. Good point, Delaney. Yep, so it's crazy. I mean, I was just up there in Boone, like, what, two or three weeks ago, and they were full steam ahead, and they pulled the plug today, so... Yep, yep. This is a very fluctuatingly frustrating situation. That None of those are words, but uh, you get my point. Everybody's frustrated about this coronavirus thing. Delaney, do you have any non-COVID news hmm. for us today? I 
do have some non Okay, yes. Well, no, I lied. I don't really have anything that's non-COVID related because this story is definitely COVID related. But we saw over the weekend a lawsuit filed in Blackhawk County, Iowa, which is where one of the pretty, I mean, it's pretty large Tyson Foods plant is located there in Waterloo, Iowa area. We saw a lawsuit filed over the deaths of several packing plant workers on Friday and essentially their families filed suit against Tyson, um, you know, because they didn't, for whatever reason, put measures in place to ensure that their employees could be safe. And so they, the lawsuit allegedly, allegedly says that Tyson allowed sick employees to continue working and even provided bonuses that incentivized employees to go to work Ill. So I think this is probably just the first of many lawsuits to come out like this. Well, it'll be interesting because when President Trump passed his uh, national order to keep processing plants open, mm -hmm. they put into law some things that limit liability from suits just yes. like this. I, I wonder how that will impact this case going forward. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm not even sure who we would ask about that, to be quite honest. We better get Todd Jansen on the line again, our good friend and egg <laughs> lawyer from uh, from over there. We'll have to get him back on to discuss this issue. Yes, we or we could just shoot him an email and see if he's got a quick thought on that. But good, good plan. That might be a little easier. But actually, I've got some COVID meat packing news as well. Um, we've got the Deputy Secretary of Agriculture, Steve Sensky, on the record. He came out talking about meat processing facilities. I don't think this is going to be news to our so, you know, we've been reporting that meatpacking plants have been accelerating their slaughter pace. However, uh, Sensky reaffirmed that since this thing started and dropped to close to 50% capacity back during the full flood of COVID impacts, we have now seen processing rebound and uh, beef processors and poultry processors are both running at 98% of capacity and pork processors are back up to about 95% of capacity. And that Tyson plant Delaney mentioned there in uh, Waterloo, that one is a pork plant, if I'm not mistaken, Delaney. I believe you are correct. So we are seeing things move in the right direction, slaughter pace wise. We are getting the tonnage back out onto the market. We got to get out back out there and eat it, which we'll talk about a little bit with Matt Bennett. But Ashton, what stories are you watching today? So I'm watching a pretty neat story about a free online course to help farmers and ranchers cope with stress. So as you guys know, 2020 has been a super crazy year. And the challenges that we're now facing are certainly taking a toll on farmers and ranchers and other agriculturalists. And from commodity prices, weather and water challenges, the trade war, CFAP, whatever, you know, challenges that they have faced this year, anxiety, pressure and stress are plaguing our farmers and ranchers. So in an effort to reduce stress, Farm Credit has collaborated with the National Farmers Union and the American Farm Bureau Federation to bring this online course to help farmers, ranchers and agriculturalists recognize the stress the, the signs of stress and, and how to cope with it. And Zippy Duval, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, I think he put it into some great words. He said, quote, one of the misconceptions is we all thought most of the mental health problems were in urban America. When we've done our surveys, we found 
tremendous amounts of mental health problems out in rural America. Two out of five farmers didn't really know whether or not they could find help or where to go to get help, end quote. And so this program recognizes the lack of mental health care in rural communities, which I think is very important. We've talked about that in some of my classes at school. And so I think it's great that they're recognizing that this is a problem and they need to find solutions on how to fix it and cope with stress. But this program is essentially an online technique and mental health awareness program. It is private and it's accessible through the Farm Credit website, which is just www.farmcredit.com. And the free course takes about three hours to complete. So I would highly encourage folks to check out that resource. Absolutely. Mental health and rural issues has long been a struggle. And folks, if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed, you know, talk to somebody, get some help. It's not easy. A lot of times it sucks, but you feel better, honestly. Delaney, do you have any other stories you're keeping an eye on today? You know, I think this is an interesting story, too. Um, and I'm not going to necessarily share my opinion on this story because I have some mixed feelings on it. But we saw the New York Federal Reserve on Sunday announce a very detailed plan that they're essentially going to buy $7 billion worth of individual corporate bonds and exchange traded funds in about 800 different companies. Uh, there were not a ton of ag companies. I think a couple dozen of food and farm businesses, including Anheuser-Busch, Archer, Daniels Midland, Bayer, Bungie, Campbell's Soup, Cargill, Monsanto, a couple others, uh, just to name a few. But essentially, how I understand this is going to work is this program is part of the central bank's efforts to basically pump money back into the economy and keep cash moving through the financial markets. So they're buying bonds on the open market from these companies that meet some sort of eligibility standards that the Fed put together. And huh. so yeah. critics are not very happy of this, saying that they're essentially just bailing out large corporations. Um, I'm sure you've probably seen if you live in Iowa, campaign ads referencing this type of action. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and, you know, there are a few things that I think we're going to see some really strong industry pushback on. Um, the one of the bond companies from which we could see the Fed buy bonds is Smithfield. And, of course, Smithfield is a company that is held by a Chinese company, so effectively, we're using federal dollar, well, Fed money to buy bonds, enhance the, the price of bonds from a Chinese-owned company. I can't imagine that's going to sit very well. Tyson Foods was also on the list, Delaney. I think mm -hmm. you just mentioned yes. that. I apologize yep. for talking back over you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is certainly something that could be an issue longer term. Yeah, I do. I can definitely foresee that happening, yeah. So this is something I think we're going to keep following. Folks, if you're interested in this, stay tuned to Ag News Daily. If you've got any stories or leads on uh, Fed bond purchases or just you read an interesting article, drop it off to us. We, we want to stay abreast of this issue. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily. And I just have one other story, a follow-up to something we talked about last week, which is the gap year small refinery exemption petitions that have been put before the EPA. Earlier today, a group of 16 senators, is a bipartisan group, it's being led by uh, Amy Klobuchar, Democrat of Minnesota, Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa,
Iowa, Tammy Duckworth, a Democrat of Illinois, and Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, all Corn Belt states, obviously, have come together and they have called on the EPA to outright reject the 52 retroactive gap year RFS waivers that are being requested by oil refiners. In addition to just outright requesting that EPA not go ahead and move forward on this, um, Senator Joni Ernst has vowed to block President Trump's nominee for the number two job at the EPA until the agency comes forward with its plan for what it's going to do about these waivers. Um, our conversation last week, you know, it definitely sounded as though the uh, the administration and the EPA was probably, you know, going to grant these things. They've granted all of them basically so far under this administration. It's been phenomenally detrimental to the ethanol industry. Uh, Joni Ernst putting her foot down, wanting to get an answer to this thing before the election. This could have some uh, election ramifications as well. So some big stories floating out there in the world of agriculture, guys. Yep, there certainly is. Ashton, do you have any other big stories floating out there that our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I actually have two medium pieces of news, I would say. They're not super big, but the first one being that the CFAP, Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, applications are now online. So the USDA has said that the online portal will leverage commercial document storage and e-signature solutions. And FSA Administrator Fordyce followed up saying that the agency is doing everything it can to make sure producers impacted by the coronavirus pandemic can quickly and securely apply for the program. And as of June 22nd, the USDA has paid $4 billion in CFAP payments to more than 252,000 producers. So I don't exactly know if this online portal will make things completely easier. I know that online applications can be a little bit confusing sometimes, but I would advise farmers and ranchers who haven't yet applied for CFAP payments to check that out and see if you can't apply online. All right. Well, check that out. Was that both your stories, Asher? You got one more tucked under your hat. Yeah, I got one more. Sorry about that. I'm holding us up from getting into our interview, but I thought it was an interesting story coming from Brazil. And um, I didn't really, I haven't really thought about this, but I thought it was pretty interesting. But deforestation in the Amazon has been linked to lower corn yields in Brazil. So roughly one fifth of Brazil's Amazon has been cleared in the last 50 years. And it is the second largest corn exporter besides the United States. And so this forest clearing, which also included more than half of the natural vegetation vegetation in the vast Cerrado Savanna, southeast of the Amazon, has made the region warmer, which the heat is associated then with lower corn yields. Researchers reported this in the Science Journal of natural sustainability or nature sustainability, excuse me. And so researchers linked the deforestation to a five to 10% drop in corn yields across most of the West central state of Mato Grosso, which is Brazil's largest grains producer and soybeans, which tend to be more heat resilient, weren't significantly affected, but that corn yield has gone down as deforestation continues to climb up. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. That could certainly have long-term ramifications. A lot of uh, stories with long-term ramifications in the news today. Yeah, there certainly is.
Well, another thing that could have long-term ramifications for individual operations is the price of corn, wheat, soybeans, cattle, and hogs. We're going to get into what's going on with those prices with our market guest, Matthew Bennett from agmarket.net. We are proud to have them as sponsors of our Market Monday program. And we've got an exciting day today. Check them out on the web at agmarket.net. We've got a rally today in both corn, wheat, and even soybeans turned around for midday. July corn up nine and a quarter cents at 326 and a quarter. December new crop up nine and a half, finished at 334 and three quarters. In soybeans, the July up one and a half cents at 866 and a half. November new crop up barely quarter penny higher at 861 and a half. In the wheat market, July Chicago up 11 and a half cents at 485 and a half. December up nine and a half, finished at 493 and a half. Looking over at the world of livestock from an ugly morning in the red to uh, eking out a little bit of green. August live cattle up 45 cents at 96.47.50. October up 57.50 to finish at 105. Feeder cattle, the August contract up 90 cents on the day at 133.50. September up 50 cents, closed at 134.27 half. And in lean hogs, a move to the upside after yesterday's really collapse to the downside. July up 10 cents at 45.37.50. The August up 32 half to close at 48.45. And dairy, that rally is back on in the dairy market in class three milk. The June contract climbed a penny as the month comes to a close to close at 20.94. The July, however, up 55 cents, closed north of $22 a hundredweight, finished the day at 22.19. Let's find out what all these numbers mean with our good friend, Matt Bennett. Today on Hashtag Market Monday, we are chatting with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net. Matt, we had quite a bit of green on the screen today. What is going on in especially the grain markets? Well, you know, the corn market was really the star of the show today. You came in on the overnight market and you know, I had a little bit of strength and we just kind of kept building. Uh, nice thing about the corn market here today is you know, obviously we've had a fair amount of rain in uh, several parts of the corn belt, but <clears throat> when they start talking about a little bit of a ridge, uh, there's no doubt that you're going to probably see some buying interest, especially with the market short. Uh, I think that played just maybe a, a little smaller role than a little bit of short covering going into this report. Uh, here on Tuesday, no doubt that you could see some things that could affect the market, uh, whether you're talking acreage or whether you're talking stocks. My personal opinion is that stocks are going to be uh, higher scrutinized than uh, acreage unless you would you know, happen to be out of uh, the average trade guess you know, uh, uh, going into this report. But yeah, I, I think that stocks could be the one that uh, you know, might provide a little more pop to the market, uh, especially if we get too far away from the expectations. Well, let's talk about those expectations, Matt. I mean, looking at the numbers, I, I just had them and I closed them. What what are what is the trade expecting for stocks? Well, you know, shade under five billion. Uh, you know, you're basically what you're looking at last year. I think we we're at five point two. Uh, I think most of the trade centered around you know four nine somewhere in that neighborhood. But you got to remember, we had a substantially smaller crop there last fall. Obviously, usage got hit pretty hard through this coronavirus situation, but you know, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that disappearance could end up being a little bit of a surprise. You look at last fall's crop, everyone knows it was a low test weight crop overall. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit uh, in the last several months, but you come in here in the spring and have a hard time getting a hold of DDGs. We know that corn was the cheapest feed grain you know, in the world for quite some time, and so we're sitting here 
feeding a fair amount of corn, a lot of animal units, then you've got to assume that anytime you're feeding low test weight crop, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to have to feed more to get, to get the energy uh, that you would with normal test weight corn. So, you know, I, I guess uh, I have to think that maybe we're going to be on the low side uh, as compared to the expectations. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's anyone's guess. Uh, there's no doubt that we've had a complete monkey wrench thrown in this whole deal. Uh, whether we're talking ethanol, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, bottom line is uh, things were disrupted heavily this spring. And so tomorrow's going to be very interesting to see how it turns out. And Matt, when you look technically at the new crop corn futures, I know a day doesn't make a reversal, but I mean, eight, nine cents on the day today closing higher. Do you think we're headed for an upward momentum here? You know, we also saw the market bounce off the lows there on Friday. It was kind of a nice close that we had, even though we closed lower. Uh, we were certainly trading lower lower than that. Now, technically, I don't know that you can really make a case uh, at this stage of the game. Uh, whenever we're looking at new crop, you're looking at this 334 and three quarters. You know, you close basically on the high of the day here to start the week. Uh, I think the trade is going to be watching very closely uh, for direction. You know, if you would end up below 95 million, I think that gives you a little bit of an opportunity for a positive tone. Uh, you're going to need weather to go along with it and possibly even some uh, some export business to go along with it if you're really wanting to get some legs for this market. You know, you talk to most uh, producers or most analysts, and I think a lot of folks are kind of talking or whispering 180 out there. And so whenever you're talking to 180 national yield, you certainly don't want to be throwing that with 95 and a half or more million acres. Uh, if you can get it under 95, it gives you a little wiggle room. Uh, but bottom line, you're going to need some help for this market. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you have a high pressure ridge set in and it stays a little bit, those that are going into this uh, that are dry and have missed the rains, and there are several folks out there in that situation, but that's not a good place to be. Now, if you're going in with plenty of moisture, you're not too worried about it. So, you know, weather's going to have a lot to say about this moving forward after we get past the report. And of course, exports are as well. Yeah, of course, weather and the reports tomorrow are going to help shed some light on the supply side. You mentioned exports. Matt, I want to come and focus on ethanol for just a hot second. We have seen ethanol production increasing week over week over week since this coronavirus thing started. We're not nearly back to where we were a year ago, but we were making good progress. Now COVID's hitting again. We're starting to see some places slow back down. Some states are reenacting at least partial lockdowns. Are you getting concerned that the ethanol grind is going to grind to a halt again? That's a great question. You know, we went eight straight weeks. We bounced from about 53 million bushels of corn grind all the way up to 91 this past week. I expect that number could be the same or a little bit higher again this week. But then the real question comes, you know, are we going to see a, a stoppage of uh, people getting around and moving? Uh, I think that for the most part, people want to get out and do things. And, and it's summertime, so it's a little bit different than coming out of winter uh, whenever we still were in some uh, weather doldrums, if you will. And you know, I've got to think that uh, maybe it won't be as bad as what it was before. You know, whenever you look, for instance, I'm not a big expert on this. I do watch it some, but not as much as what I did before. But I know they're saying that, you know, the deaths, obviously, from coronavirus are not spiking along with the cases. And so if that remains the case, and I don't know that it will, if that remains the case, then I've got to think that, you know, maybe it won't be as drastic, uh, you know, as far as uh, stopping some of your economies or slowing them down. You know, I'm sitting here in Illinois, and I, mean, I know that you 
for whatever reason, Mike, you moved to my state, but uh, uh, who knows what's going to happen in Illinois because we're already in this phase four thing. Everyone's kind of resuming life as we know it. And, uh, you know, but bottom line is we could go back the other way really quickly. And if we do, uh, that's, that's just a tough game. And I mean, from a business standpoint, gee whiz, it's just been really hard on folks. And so I, I really hope for some of our small business owners and for some of the people, you know, in, in the rural areas that we've seen heavily affected by this, that maybe we can avoid coming to that kind of a stoppage again. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely the hope on a lot of fronts. Matt, when you uh, focus in on the wheat markets, they had some pretty substantial moves on the day today. What was triggering their moves higher? Well, you know, the thing about wheat, I mean, last Friday, I mean, we really, we really moved sharply to the downside. We were trading uh, wheat 13, 14, 15 cents lower. You know, you come in here to start the week, and I think wheat looks over at the corn market, and the corn market's trading higher. And I think wheat kind of followed along. I don't see any major news. I think, you know, uh, you're getting, you've got harvest underway in, in, in some of these areas. And, and so obviously weather is going to be uh, an issue. But in my opinion, weather couldn't be better for wheat harvest in most of the areas that uh, we're going to be seeing harvest. So, yeah, I didn't see any major news that would tell me that uh, we would be moving sharply higher. I mean, really, export inspections across the board were were reasonable. And so, yeah, I think uh, the wheat market was more of a follower than anything here to start the week. So, Matt, I want to get your thoughts real quick on the soybean market tomorrow, just stocks, acreage number. You think acreage is going to come up on beans planted this year? You know, I got to think that bean acreage will come up. Um, it, it's going to be super interesting. You know, Mike, the thing about it in the past, the corn acreage, uh, you know, for instance, producers always started planting corn. And the adage was, hey, you know what? If you have a really good spring, people are going to plant more corn acres. Well, you know, uh, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that uh, a lot of producers have started planting beans first. And so, you know, how's that dynamic going to unfold? Are we going to plant as much or more corn because we had a good spring, because we had a rapid spring? Um, maybe it's not going to be like it was before. And I have to think the profitability is certainly going to play into this factor. So I do think some bean acres originated probably down in the uh, Delta. And I think in some of your fringe areas, profit margins, I don't think we're going to allow producers maybe to push the corn acres like maybe they would have wanted to if prices would have looked a little differently. So I got to think that you're going to pick up a million and a half to two million acres of soybeans. Wow. A million. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to hold you to that. No, I'm just kidding, Matt. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> taking things over to the livestock markets. Uh, let's talk lean hogs here. It seems that they have started to make some headway to, to uh, fill that gap. Do you think they're going to fill that gap? That's around the, what, $51 mark on the charts? Well, that's a tough call. You know, I, I think, you know, whenever you're talking really any livestock, you've got big supplies to chew through. That's that's literally uh, the, the entire thing that we're battling here. And so, you know, if, if you can get a little bit of a march up, you know, maybe you're able to get back into that area. I, I don't know that I feel confident about that at this stage of the game. Uh, I think if I feel confident about, uh, you know, a livestock move, I'm probably looking at cow, uh, maybe your fat cattle market uh, out into December uh, or maybe even uh, farther on out into the first of the year, because, uh, you know, I've got to think that these numbers are going to end up providing some major support later. We just got to chew through all these big supplies on the front end. Well, you mentioned you might see some optimism there on the live cattle side. What are you watching for, Matt? Today was a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday, midday on a Monday. What uh, changed? 
Well, you know, that's the thing is, I, you know, I'm not sure that I saw anything across the wire change. The nice thing to see, though, is that you know, this cattle market was under fire early in the day, as you mentioned. I mean, uh, it almost looked like it was going to be this slow grind that we've seen here recently. And then you turn around and and, and you uh, you run the market up to, you know, you gain, what, 45, 50 cents on the day, depending on which uh, contract you're looking at. But right now, as we know, I mean, demand has still been pretty darn good. Uh, I am a little bit concerned about, you know, what if you end up shutting a couple of these plants down again? Maybe we're past that. Maybe they figured out a way to avoid that. But uh, bottom line is people are wanting to grow out right now. I don't know about you guys, but every chance I get when the weather's like this, I want to grow out. And I think everyone else is in the same boat, especially after everyone's been cooped up so long. Oh, yeah. And with the 4th of July weekend this weekend, hopefully nice weather across the Midwest Corn Belt. I can't imagine people are going to want to be cooped up inside. No, no, absolutely not. If you get a rain, I mean, I understand. But, you know, bottom line for most people, they're going to be out. They're going to be grilling. I think that you're going to see beef uh, flying off the shelves, probably going to see some pork chops coming off the shelves. But bottom line, people want to get out. They want to be outside. They want to grill. Uh, watch fireworks. They may even drink a little beer. I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but I know that in my neck of the woods, that happens occasionally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing down those barley stocks. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, Matt, I tell you what, we know you got a lot of work to do ahead of the reports to tomorrow. If our listeners got questions, they want to manage some risk ahead of those reports, how can they get a hold of you guys at agmarket.net? Yeah, they can just go to the website if they want. They can find me on Twitter if they want to, Chief321. But uh, websites are a really good place to get a hold of me or any of the guys that I work with. Perfect. Folks, check that out. Matt Bennett, thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. Yep, thanks for having me. Well, again, a big thank you there to Matt of the agmarket.net team. Do check out their website and their app and all they got going on over there. But definitely had a lot of good things to share. Hopefully tomorrow's report is a bullish one, Mike. Well, hopefully it's bullish for our producers. Our end users, though, would love to see it be a bearish report and prices come down. Ag is zero sum. We're always trying to match that supply and demand picture, and the market allows us to do that. So either way... We'll probably get some movement, Delaney. Oh, we certainly will, Mike. Well, folks, if you want to get some movement of your own and your brain juices, right, you can get, check out our past episodes. Visit our website at agnewsdaily.com. Get connect with everything we've talked about and get caught up with episodes from the other partners on the Global Ag Network. Find us at agnewsdaily.com or on social media at agnewsdaily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that, Ashton, shall we let the people go? Let's let him go.